Okay, we are live. Welcome to another episode of Josh's Daily Brew. It's good to have you here. And today I am talking about The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello. And I've just finished this book. It was an enlightening read. It was so fulfilling to dive into probably one of my favorite authors. And I've read two of his other books. One is called Rediscovering Life and one is called Awareness. And before I dive into the lessons in this book, I just want to say that, you know, this title threw me off because the way to love, I mean, how can you, how can you um, describe something that is so personal and so uh, instinctual to people? It's very difficult and it's very difficult for me to, to speak about love because I don't think in a traditional sense I've necessarily been in love but he doesn't speak about love as this as this formula he loves talking about this but as this formula that the media has given out to us he talks about it as a state of being and a state of solitude that translates into everything that you do so um and i have struggled with the concept of love uh, my whole entire life and until recently I've had some a few re- re- revelations rather I don't have my coffee anywhere it's it's finished it's done so there's my first um, there's my first stumble of the day revelations of recent and it's very much aligned to this book and it's weird how it's uh, th- this is a bit of a synchronicity that's popped up in my life at the moment but there's a couple of lessons that uh, Anthony DeMello teaches which I enjoy. So one being attachments and how desire and attachment leads to suffering and unhappiness. Um, two, memento mori, so death, a topic that no one wants to speak about, but it's a topic, it's the topic I think we all need to understand a bit better because it's a guiding force in our lives and I don't think it's something to be afraid of. Mirroring. So the relationship that you have with the world through your own perceptions and eyes. Um, so to make sure I've covered everything. And being a child. So I want to touch on all of these um, if you would give me the chance. So to start off, he has a, he has a quote um, from uh, the beginning of the book which says, there's not a single moment in your life when you do not have everything you need to be happy. Think of that for a minute. The reason why you're unhappy is because you're focusing on what you do have, you're focusing on what you don't have and rather what you do have right now. So what you have right now may not be a material possession or something that you can physically see, but what you do have is something that's uh, instinctively and instinctively more valuable than that. And that's the present moment because Suffering, whether you like it or not, is a result of thoughts being lost in thought. So when you are present with whatever you're doing, you suffer just a little bit less and your life seems to be a little bit 
better. Um, when I say better, more cohesive, more understanding, more um, flowing, you know, letting things go, letting things um, come and go, uh, good, bad, ugly, whatever. And I love how he says this. He says, what then is happiness? Very few people know and no one can tell you because happiness cannot be described. Can you describe light to people who have been sitting in darkness all their lives? Can you describe reality to someone in a dream? Understand your darkness and it will vanish. Then you will know what light is. Understand your nightmare for what it is and it will stop. Then you will wake up to reality. Understand your false beliefs and they will drop. Then you will know the taste of happiness. This is similar to Carl Jung's quote, you know, you must not um, imagine enlightenment, enlightenment by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. So we've all got darkness, we've all got evil within us, whether you like to call it, whatever, whatever terminology you like to call it. Understand it, have awareness for it, and when you do, it uh, paradoxically vanishes, and it's, uh, it's very hard to grapple with something that you understand and you see for what it really is. So it's a, it's a big lesson, and it's weird, like I said, the title is The Way to Love, and it's weird that he brings in things like this, and death, and things like that, so it's very, it's very interesting. And then he talks about love being this all-encompassing like attitude towards uh, life, so this quote, you learn to enjoy the scent of a thousand flowers, you will not cling to one flower, and you won't suffer if you don't get it. If you have a thousand favorite dishes, the loss of one will go unnoticed and leave your happiness unimpaired. But it is precisely your attachments that present you from that prevent you from developing a wider and more varied, varied taste for things and people. So, again, if you are not attached to one specific dish or person or situation or idea in your head where you want to be, chances are you'll be a lot happier because you are open to the idea of endless possibilities and the love of many things is what makes you happy, not just the love of one thing, which is technically a desire. So the main theme in the book, obviously I'm mentioning a lot, is desire and desire is an attachment. And I want to pause to say that I don't think desires are Bad. I think that we, you know, you don't have to be a Buddhist monk and go into a cave and have live with nothing. But it's important to be aware of your desires because it just sheds light on where you may be directing your focus. And I think that helps a lot with me as well. And you know, to a certain extent, I've come to come to be friends with my desires and my aspirations and things. And and see them as a game that I'm just playing, and um, that game is what I'm playing. I'm I'm aware of it. I'm not I'm not playing it unconsciously. I'm not playing it for the pursuit of something else. I'm playing it because I enjoy playing it, and I know my desires are one way of you know so so called winning the game. Um, and this is my favorite quote out of all. It's so simple, but. You see persons and things not as they are, but as you are. So we are a mirror of our world. So if you are perpetually angry or you're a person that thrives in 
high stress environments, you're going to find those environments because that's your reticular activating system is going to notice those things in life and you will be more attracted to those things. Whereas if you're somebody who embodies love and joy and happiness and you are going to find those situations in your life um, unconsciously or consciously if you've made it conscious, but you don't see people you know, as they are. You see them as you are. So you might only pick up the angry side of somebody. You might never see the joyous side, but that's only because you've consciously seen, you've consciously made a decision to see it that way. So that's something very important to understand. Um, and I think, yeah, that's very, very important. Um, and then this is very interesting. This is a very powerful quote. That it is possibly the most terrifying thing a human being can do, move into the unknown, unprotected by any formula, to walk away from the world of human beings as the prophets and the mystics did, is not to walk away from their company, but from their formulas. Then, even though you are surrounded by people, you are truly and utterly alone. What an awesome solitude. <laughs> that solitude, that aloneness is silence. It is only the silence that you will see, and the moment you see will abandon every book and guide and guru. And this is very interesting because he's saying that you've got a choice to go with the formulas or to walk away from it. And I think it's, it's you know, the age-old thing, you know, going with the flow or... Um, or walking and making your own path in life, but it's terrifying because you are making a conscious decision to go into uncharted territory, to to weather the waters of life in your own boat, your boat that you have built, that you don't know what's going to, how sturdy it's going to be, um, what the waves are going to bring and things, but there's a there's a um, sort of greatness to that. And there's something that in that, if you carry on and you understand it a bit better, it leads you to better places. So I really do love that because um, I feel that's what, uh, that's what, the, true, that's what the true nature of um, walking the path is about. It's about knowing that you are doing something that's a little bit different. And then he says, you know, he talks about being a child and like embracing this childlike uh, nature, which we, I think we've lost to a certain extent with, with uh, the rat race that we all have, succ have unwillingly succumbed to, just part of life. But he says the child, like the innocent animal, surrenders to its nature to be and become quite simply what it is. Adults who have preserve their innocence, also surrender like the child to the impulse of nature or destiny without a thought to become somebody or to impress others. But unlike the child, they rely not on instinct, but on ceaseless awareness of everything in them and around them. That awareness shields them from evil and brings about the growth that was intended for them by nature, not designed by their ambitious egos. And one of the, I mean, this just reminds me of like if you ever, you know, indulged in plant medicine or psychedelics or whatever is that the things that come out of that experience is tapping into that childlike um, nature that we lost as you know growing up and being conditioned and whatever is that it's so important to experience those moments of being a child and I think there's a fine line between distraction and uh, 
and enthusiasm or curiosity, you know? So like video games can be a way to become a child again, but it can also be a way to be distracted from other things that you may need to pay more attention to. So find that quite quite intriguing. And then to end, Memento Mori, that big, the big lesson, he says, what is death? A loss, a disappearance, a letting go, a saying goodbye. When you cling, you refuse to let go. You refuse to say goodbye. You resist death. And even though you may not realize it, what that it that is when you resist life too. Sorry. Um, that is so important is that I think it's this like almost like this FOMO mentality with death. It's like you have a fear of missing out because you're thinking about what you are letting go. You're thinking about all the things that you may lose. But I think when you understand it as something that is part of us and it's in our being, it, uh, it paradoxically um, doesn't go away, never does, moving to Mori, but paradoxically reinforces your um, being going forward because you start to do things that are more important. So death is the ultimate minimal, like minimalistic um, reinforcer in a way. It's, it's something that, it's the ultimate essentialism. It's, it's, it's the, it is the great equalizer. Like there's not, there, you're not escaping it. So whenever you're feeling overwhelmed or um, whatever, it's a good metric to, um, to think about because it just puts everything into perspective for you. And I think it's so important. I'm going to leave it there today. Thank you for listening to another episode. And if you did enjoy this, please subscribe and hit a thumbs up and uh, I'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers for now.